0: We are in a series on prayer right now, and we are, as a church, we're going through this book called Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson, and I want to encourage you that if you haven't gotten this book yet or you're new and you're like, hey, I'm interested in that, we're doing a 40-day of prayer, but if you haven't jumped in yet for whatever reason, your 40-day of prayer can start at any time, so feel free to go online um, and get this Draw the Circle book. It's a, been a great guide. Uh, we've had... I don't know how you feel about this book. Some people may really enjoy it. Some people might not agree with everything in it. And it made me think as I was thinking about that, it kind of reminds me of my dad. My mom and dad used to have a very old Ford station wagon. And it was so old and so run down that my dad put a bumper sticker on the back that said, if this was a horse, I'd have to shoot it. And so I really loved riding in that vehicle with my dad because I loved spending time with my dad. My sister, on the other hand, was so embarrassed by the vehicle that she would have my dad drop her off a block away so that no one would see her showing up in this vehicle. And that kind of reminds me of this book You may like this book, you may not like this book, but it is a vehicle to get us where we're wanting to go as a church, as a congregation, to get into prayer and to become closer with the Lord, and so that's the purpose of that. Also want to remind you on our back wall here, we have the gigantic circle. If you haven't had an opportunity to write something that you are praying about yet on that circle and put it inside the circle, there's plenty of room left. Also, you'll notice that there's some circles outside the big circle. Those are answers to prayer. And so when you receive an answer to anything that you're praying, feel free to write the answer, put it on the outside, and then take that string and put it from the, the prayer to the answer. But one other thing I wanted to mention is that for some of us, some of the things that we're praying about are really big deals. They might take a lifetime or half a lifetime to see accomplished. And so if you have received any answer to prayer, I encourage you to write that down because any answer is still an answer, right? So write that down and put it on the outside and it encourages our faith as we get to do that. Also want to remind you that we as a church corporately are praying a scripture together. It is Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 50, and it talks about how the early church, how they met in homes together, they fellowshiped together, broke bread together, and that God's favor was upon them. And that every day, many more there were numbers added to their group every day. And that's a prayer that we're praying. And so Mark encouraged us when we first started this to set a timer on your phone at 2.46, 47, 48, or 49, 50, whichever one you want. And then that is a reminder to pray. Now, I did get a text from one of the ladies in our church the very next day after Mark told us this. And she said, you know what? I accidentally set it for a.m. instead of p.m. So I was awake at 2.46 a.m. praying for our church and I say a.m., p.m., it doesn't matter, just set yourself a timer and let's join in prayer corporately for what the Lord wants to do in us and through us as a church. Well, we are reading five different chapters out of this book every week. And this week, one of the chapters that we read was called Double Circle. And what that had to do was a circle is about prayer. A double circle is when we add fasting to prayer. And so that's what I am tasked with sharing today. And it's something that's kind of personal to my own heart and life, because this is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a spiritual discipline, but it's been one that has been very challenging for me over the years. And so that's why I knew the Lord wanted me to share because I need some challenge and some instruction and some encouragement in it, and maybe you're like me and need some of that too. I want to just mention that this is more of a teaching than a, a preaching. It's, uh, there's a lot of facts and things, and that's why you were handed one of those handouts when you walked in with all of the information. So if you didn't get one of those handouts and would like one, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll have our ushers pass one out right here. Okay. Mark, could you help me, please? Thank you. <clears throat> Mark gets to be an usher today. Awesome. <clears throat> okay. So we're, we're going to be talking about fasting, what it is, why we do it, and how we do it. Let's start with what fasting is. Fasting is a predetermined amount of time set aside to refrain from one thing in order to pray and seek God. Now typically, fasting has to do with refraining from food, but there are other things that you can do as well. You could refrain from music, TV, social media, certain types of drink, or even certain types of food such as sweets. And it's important to note that in the vast majority of the biblical examples, fasting is joined with prayer. And if it isn't specifically mentioned, then it is implied that fasting and prayer go together. And you can often hear the phrase fasting and prayer, prayer and fasting. They're two things that go together, kind of like peanut butter and jelly, or a wink and a smile, or Mark and Kate. They just go together, right? As I was studying for this um, teaching, one of the quotes that I came across that I thought was very helpful is from Jack Hayford, and it says this, Fasting and prayer go together. Fasting without prayer is simply going without food. It's not foodlessness, but prayer-seeking God that makes fasting powerful. And in the Bible, there's both Old Testament examples of fasting and there's also New Testament examples of fasting. It's a spiritual discipline that Jesus expects his followers to do. And you'll remember in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse through verse, excuse me, through chapter 7, Jesus sits down with his disciples and with a big crowd of people, and then he begins to teach and tell. His disciples, the crowds of people, different things. That's where we find the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6. But it's interesting to note that if you look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does expect that we will fast. Because in verse 2, it says, so when you give. In verse 5, it says, and when you pray. And then in verse 15, it doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. So this is something that Jesus encourages us as his followers to do. Before we talk about why we fast, I think it's important to note some reasons why we may not fast. Sometimes we have to have an understanding of why don't we do something before we jump into why we do it. And the first reason why we don't fast is simply because of a lack of knowledge or teaching about it. And I want to just do a quick little survey and ask, how many people in this room have ever heard a message about fasting, a, a sermon let, in church, for example? Raise your hand. Okay, a little bit more than the last time, but still I'd say only about half of us, about 50% of us have heard a message on fasting. So that means that the rest of us, the other 50% of us, we have not. And so we don't know what we don't know. So the first reason why we don't fast is because we, we haven't addressed it, we haven't talked about it, we have a lack of knowledge about it. Another reason why people don't fast is because of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of going without food, fear of discomfort that comes when we choose to go without food, or maybe the fear of not being able to stick with fasting. I wanna just say, though, that fear is often something that the devil uses to keep us from pressing in to God and from growing in our faith. And by the way, that's not just with fasting, it's with anything. And fear is a liar because the devil is a liar. And the truth of the matter is that fasting is the perfect opportunity to face your fears and rely on God's strength as you press into more of him and less of you. And you do that through fasting. And how many also know the Bible tells us that when we are weak, god is strong and so in our weakness through fasting that's an opportunity for god's strength to come in and and make us strong now the third reason that sometimes people don't fast is simply called rebellion and i almost didn't put this in here because that's a very very strong word isn't it when when someone says rebellion you're thinking whoa that's some pretty strong stuff there But then I thought about my own life and my own experience with fasting, and that's why I can put rebellion in here, (laughs) because I have experienced that before, where I knew what was right to do, and I just downright didn't want to do it. I want to give you an example of that. When Mark and I were fresh out of Bible college, I think he was 23 and I was 22, the place where we served first was in Colorado Springs, and we went to serve with an older pastor. He was older than our parents at the time. He was now looking back at it probably about marks of my age now, but at that point he seemed very, very old, okay? And he was very godly and he was very disciplined in spiritual disciplines. He was very disciplined. So he told us that part of the requirement to be on staff at that church was that every Wednesday for breakfast and lunch, we would fast. Now, something just rose up within me that was like, you know what? You're not going to be telling me to fast. And really, let me say, part of my message here talks about that fasting really is a heart issue between you and God. And so I personally, not to say that our pastor did anything wrong, but I personally don't force other people to fast because that's just something between you and God. I am, however, going to give you the opportunity to join us in a fast that we are doing this week but it's between you and God, right? So anyhow, at first I just plain didn't do it because I was like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. I didn't wanna do it. Then I had the excuse because I was pregnant for nine months that I didn't have to fast because of that. Well, then the Lord slowly began working on my heart and eventually I did start fasting it wasn't with the greatest attitude, but I did start fasting. Then the Lord finally did a whole number on my heart and I was able to fast with a good heart. And that was only because of the Lord and how he keeps working on us. And how many of you are thankful that the Lord just keeps working on you just tenderly over and over, little by little? And where would we be without that? Well, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus says, in regards to prayer, but it's a true statement the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. (laughs) And truer words have never been spoken, especially in regards to fasting. You might have a spirit that wants to fast, but your flesh is weak. But here's what happens when you do fast it allows your spirit to grow stronger and stronger, and your flesh to grow weaker. And weaker, and that's part of what the Christian life is all about, is allowing our spirit to connect with God's spirit and for our spirit to become strong and our flesh to become weak. So those are some of the reasons why we don't fast. Now let's talk about why we do. The first reason why we fast is because Jesus did it. Remember that old saying, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would fast. And in fact, he did fast. All three books of um, all three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three gospels have an instance, a narrative of Jesus fasting. In Matthew 4, verse 2, it says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was, (laughs) right? After he's been fasting, though, then he gets tempted or tested by the devil. Thankfully, he persevered, passed the test. And then at the end of the fasting narrative, in Luke's account, in chapter Luke 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Well, through fasting, Jesus, fully human yet fully God, deprived his flesh so that he could have more of God's spirit operating in his life. And that's really what fasting is all about. Fasting declares, I want less of me, less of me, and more of him. It's an emptying of yourself and a filling of God. So I have a question for us. If Jesus, fully human, yet fully God, saw the value in fasting, then maybe there's some benefit and value in fasting for you and me as fully human, yet fully human, right? We have nothing but, but humanness besides the righteousness of Christ that's in us. But if it was a value for Jesus to fast and he was fully God yet fully human, there's some value for you and I as well, being fully human. It allows God's spirit to operate in our lives. So there's many biblical examples of people who chose to fast like I mentioned in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And as I studied these different instances of fasting in the scripture, I was able there's many different reasons why people fasted, but I was able to see three common reasons why people fasted and I thought those three things would be meaningful to you and I in the day and age which we live in. The first reason why people fasted was out of devotion to Christ or to God. The second reason is because they wanted direction. And then the third reason is for deliverance. And we're going to talk about each one of those. The first one I want to talk about is devotion. And I'd like to read to you Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 37. It says this. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So that's an example of a woman who was fasting because she was devoted to god in her heart the scripture says she was a widow after only being married for seven years the rest of her life the 84 minus seven whatever that is maybe 77 i'm not sure for those years oh wait no 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 she wasn't married from birth so get, math and me do not agree but you get the picture she was married for seven years and then she was 84 at this time and was a widow and she had decided you know what god's going to be my husband And she went to the temple all the time. She worshiped him there and she fasted and prayed. And that's how she showed her devotion to God was to fast and to pray. And that makes me think of a scripture found in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two about worship. It says this out of the New Living Translation. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Fasting is a really beautiful way for us to offer our bodies to God. And when we do that, it allows us to be less and him to be more. And when that happens, that begins to transform us, just like this scripture says. When there's less of us and more of him, it transforms the way we think, which in turn changes the way that we act. Because how many know when we think something, that's the first step to attitude and then action. And so fasting is a beautiful way for us to have God's will in our life and for us to offer our bodies to him. Well, Anna's heart was fully devoted to God and so she fasted, but likewise, I have an example of a fast that is appropriate, totally appropriate, when your heart is not fully devoted to God and you want to get him back in his rightful place of Lord of your life and as your first love. And this was the case for the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 through 6, I'd like to read that to you. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisk, and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines." So the Israelites put away their bales and ashtrays and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. Then when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. So there's another example. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where your heart isn't fully dedicated to the Lord. It isn't fully devoted to the Lord. A fast is a surefire way to get him back in his rightful place. God first and then us under him. First of all, we fast out of devotion to the Lord. Second of all, we fast for direction. When you are trying to seek God's direction, his wisdom or his insight, and when we do that what we're saying is Lord, we need more of you. <laughs> more of your wisdom, more of your counsel, less of less of us and more of you. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you really just did not know what to do? <laughs> you needed some direction from God. I think most of us most of us have found ourselves in that place. And there's some biblical examples of this as well in the ones I'm sharing are from the Old Testament. The first one that I would like to share with you is out of the book of Daniel. And if you'll remember Daniel, most of us remember him as Daniel in the lion's den. But Daniel was a man who heard from God. God spoke to him, gave him visions. He had great insight and understanding. Well, at this point, In this time that I'm gonna read to you out of Daniel chapter nine, Daniel was seeking God because he knew the deliverance of Israel was coming and he had some insight from God but he was desiring more insight from God. And so this is what it says that he did, Daniel nine verse three. So I directed my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And then I'd like to read to you, after Daniel prayed, I'd like to read to you the answer that he received. This is after his time of prayer and fasting. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and sin of the people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, who was an angel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you. Now, isn't that awesome that Daniel took some time through prayer and fasting to seek the Lord, and then we see that God gave him an answer. God sent a messenger from heaven to come and give him the answer. And the thing that I love about that is you and I serve a God who says in his word, seek me and you will find me. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to play hide and seek with God? <laughs> That's not the kind of God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. God says, seek me and you will find me. So when we take time to fast and to ask the Lord for direction, we can be sure that he will show us. Now, it might, it might not come right all away, right away, <laughs> but it will come. And as we seek him, we will find him. So that's the first example. The second example I want to share with you is a few years later, about 82 years later, after Daniel had received that vision and was in prayer about the people being released from captivity and going back to Jerusalem, there was another man named Ezra. And some of the people had already gone back to Jerusalem, but a lot of the families were still in Jerusalem. And God gave Ezra the real big responsibility of taking the families from Jerusalem, excuse me, from Babylon back to Jerusalem. <clears throat> it was a 900 mile journey on foot. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if one, one day the Lord woke you up and said, I want, I want you to take all of Cheney Faith Center on a journey by foot somewhere wherever 900 miles would be, okay? That was a pretty big responsibility that God had given Ezra to do. And I love what Ezra's response was. You'll see this in Ezra chapter eight, verses 21 and 23. He says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Isn't that a a sweet and tender example of fasting? Ezra was fasting on behalf of the precious little ones that God had put under his charge. He was fasting for direction, certainly actual direction. How do I get to back to Jerusalem? But also, he's asking for God's provision and and spiritual direction to lead these little children, to lead the whole nation of Israel back to the place where God was calling them. And so that's a really beautiful picture of fasting for direction. I wanna share an example from my own life and from Mark's life about fasting. This has been the most significant fasting experience that he and I had had. The year was 2004, so about 14 plus years ago. And Mark and I were serving at a church in Klamath Falls, and we loved serving there. We were serving under a lead pastor, and in both Mark's and my prayer time, we both were sensing that God was calling us to leave the safety and security of Klamath Falls and to go be pastors, be lead pastors at at somewhere where we didn't know what it would be. So we went and spoke with our Pastor Scott and just said, Pastor Scott, this is what we sense that God's calling us to do. Will you join us in prayer? We're going to pray. And we thought, naively, <clears throat> that just because God had directed us that it was time to go, that this was going to be a real quick and easy process. Remember that, Mark? So we put our house on, on sale, for sale. Our next door neighbor purchased our house and graciously told us that we could still live there well the months went on and we had no opportunity to go anywhere we we took a couple different trips talked with a couple different places that needed a pastor but it was not a good fit it was just not the right time so we decided well we need to double circle this instead of just praying we need to add a fast to this prayer so we decided we prayed asked the lord and and both were in agreement that we would fast sweets until we found the place that god had for us well Instead of things um, getting better or more encouraging, they seem to get a little bit more discouraging because this went on for several months. And I remember my birthday's in the summer and we were fasting sweet. So on that birthday, Mark handed me a nectarine with a candle in it for my birthday. And, (laughs) and, We're still fasting. We're still seeking God into the new year. And then shortly after the new year, our pastor, you know, we had been in this situation for months at this point, probably six or seven months. Our pastor took us aside and he said, you know what, guys, I'm really in agreement with you that God has a place for you to go. Maybe it's just not the right time yet. He said, and unfortunately, you're going to have to either commit to being here for another two or three years or I'm going to have to let you go after Easter because we as a church just kind of need to keep moving forward in the vision God gave us. And Mark and I were, even though that was hard to hear, we were in total support of that because we understood understood it, okay? Well, we kept fasting. That was at the beginning of the year. We kept fasting, and instead of things getting better, we had another thing happen to us. Our landlord came to us and said, I've been letting you live here, you know, renting this house, but if you're not out, you're going to have to be out by the first of April because some my kid or something is going to move into this house. So we're like, okay, we're, we're getting all the signs that we're supposed to go somewhere, but where are we supposed to go? And so we continued to fast. We continu- continued to pray. And that's right around the time, it was in March, I believe, that we heard about this little town outside of, we didn't know if it was Spokane or Spokane, Washington. We didn't know if the town was called Cheney or Cheney. We didn't know, but we heard about this little church, Cheney Faith Center, that needed a pastor. So we thought maybe this is what we've been waiting for. Well, it was. We came here Mark and I had both real agreement and unity that this is where God had for us. So we went back, said goodbye to everyone in Klamath Falls and moved here about three and a half weeks later. So all of that preparation that we had been doing wasn't in vain. And also, obviously, the Lord was pointing out the path for us to go on but he had a lot to do because we didn't even know Cheney Washington and so he worked to get us in the place where we needed to be so that we could move in the direction that he had for us and that was a really great lesson for Mark and I not only in fasting but also just in trust as well (laughs) that was a really big trust builder for us And what about you? There may be seasons in your life, you may be in a season right now where you need to have direction for a job or maybe in a relationship. Maybe you're thinking about moving somewhere. And if you're in one of those seasons and you need direction from God, perhaps a fast is in order for you as well. So we can fast for out of devotion to Christ. We can fast for direction. And then thirdly, I want to share about fasting for deliverance. Now, that word deliverance just means to be rescued or set free. To be rescued or set free, that's what deliverance means. And maybe you need to be fasting for deliverance for yourself or for someone else that you may know. I have two examples of that that I would like to share. One's in the Old Testament and one is in the New Testament. The first one is in the Old Testament book of Esther. Now, <clears throat> historically, Esther, remember when I shared about Daniel and then I shared about Ezra? In between Daniel and, es- and Ezra was Esther. Esther is a woman who became queen. She was a Jew, and she had a relative named Mordecai. Well, there was a man named Haman who was the enemy of Mordecai. And Haman decided, I'm not going to just be the enemy of Mordecai, I'm gonna be the enemy of all of the Jewish people. And so he made it his job and his goal to completely annihilate all of the Jewish people there in that kingdom. And I want to read to you what happened. So Mordecai goes to Esther and and he says, I, I need your help here. And this is what he says, and then what she replies. Esther chapter four, verses 14 through 16. This is Mordecai. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther called a time of fasting for deliverance, for God's people to be set free. And it's interesting to me, if Esther hadn't fasted for deliverance, Ezra wouldn't be fasting for direction because all of those people would have been wiped out. There would be no little ones to take into Jerusalem, back to God's, the promised land. I want to suggest to you today, especially to those of you who are parents and or grandparents, it could be that God is asking you to fast for deliverance for one of your children so that in the future they can fast for direction. And isn't that a wonderful thing about the spiritual heritage we have. Oftentimes the Lord asks us to do things that are of benefit for someone else. And so that's what happened in the Old Testament book of Esther. The next one I wanna share with you is in the New Testament. And this is an example of those that Jesus rescues and sets free. That's why Jesus came, was to rescue and set people free In one such instance, he had told his disciples, you're going to do the same things I do. You're going to go preach, you're going to heal, you're going to cast demons out of people. In one instance, the disciples went and tried to cast a demon out of a a young man who was demon-possessed, and they couldn't do it. And so they brought the young man to Jesus, and Jesus prayed and cast the demon out. Let me read to you Mark 9, verses 28 through 29, which says, Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. I love the footnote at the end of this verse in my Bible here that says, our lives must be saturated with the presence of God through prayer and fasting in order to conquer the evil that is in the world and hiding in the hearts of mankind. So again, this example shows us that fasting declares, I want less of me and more of him. In my ability, I can't rescue or set anyone free, and neither can you. That's not within our ability to rescue anyone or set anyone free. But God's power is so strong that it can deliver, it can rescue, and it can set free any person any situation or any circumstance. And someone needs to hear that this morning because that's the hope that we have in Christ. When we fast for deliverance, what we are doing is we're inviting the rescuing power of Jesus into the situation that we're contending for. Mark, at our prayer time, mentioned about the fires and the the shootings, how many of us are heartsick over the violence and over the natural disasters that are taking place in our country, in our towns? Maybe it's time for, for us to fast on behalf of our country and on behalf of our nation, just like these other people in the Bible did. Maybe the Lord is calling you and I to do that as well. So we've talked about what it is and why we do it. Now I wanna talk about a few things practically of how we fast. Because we we may have these examples, but it might be okay, yeah, I agree with all that, but how do I practically do that today? So that's what I would like to share in closing, is how we do it. It's a good idea when when you choose to fast, or I should say when the Holy Spirit chooses you to fast, that you choose a start date and also an end date. And I use Mark's in my example for that. You know, he and I were very zealous when we just said, we're going to fast until God leads us somewhere. And, and that's fine, but that was really rather open-ended. I'd like to suggest that it's better to have a start and end date. Like maybe if Mark and I would have said, we're going to fast for a month and see what the Lord does. And then we're going to um, reevaluate and go from there. I think it's a great idea that we have a starting date and an ending date, and then we continue to, to evaluate with the Holy Spirit because maybe the Holy Spirit is releasing us from a fast, but because we've said we're going to fast, we, we, we do it, you know? And so a start date and an end date then with some reevaluation is a really good idea. Another thing is what is to decide what you're going to fast from. Now, remember, we talked about that there's different things that you can fast, primarily in the scripture, it talks about fasting from food, but there's other things that we can fast from, and maybe you would fast from social media, or from TV, or music, or um, something like that, anything like that. It's important to keep in mind health restrictions, because there's several of us here in the room that, that aren't able to fast for food for whatever reason. I heard of a pastor once who believed so much in fasting that he called his church to fast on a regular basis, but he personally wasn't able to fast because he was a diabetic. And so he said, during those seasons, I've learned how to stay in the spirit of a fast without specifically fasting food. Now, let me just say though, I'm gonna say this is my experience. For me personally, we're getting ready to do a a season, a, a day of fasting that I'm gonna tell you about here in a few minutes. For me personally, I don't have any health restrictions except for that I like to eat. <laughs> and so I know for me it would be a cop-out for me to say, oh, I'm just going to choose fa- to fast from Facebook instead of food. For me, that's a cop-out. I'm not saying that's a cop-out for you, but I am challenging you that if you are able, I'd like to, to challenge you if this is what the Lord leads you in, a, a fast of food would, might be a good idea, especially if you've never done it before. Um, it's just an awesome thing. But really, you have to decide, and because it's between you and Jesus, it's up to you what you're going to fast, okay? Um, And then once you decide what you are going to fast, then the next fast from, the next step is to decide what you are going to fast for. I gave a few examples. You could fast because you need some direction. Fast because of deliverance for you or a loved one fast out of devotion or because you have recognized that you need to get your heart back right with God where he's first place in your life. But there's many other things that you could fast as well. As many as different people are in here are as many different things that you could fast for. And that's the beauty of it being between us and the Lord. Any area that you feel led where you're saying there needs to be less of me in this situation and more of God. After you've decided what to fast from and what to fast for, then the next step is to just dedicate your time to the lord and really dedicating your life to the lord just saying it's a simple prayer that just says jesus i'm gonna fast from food in order to pray to fast and pray for deliverance in this circumstance and i'm dedicating myself to you during this time i'm dedicating myself to you and i'm dedicating this time to you i'm inviting you to come and speak to me i'm asking you to give me strength so that i can continue in what you've called me to through this fast and then, unless you are doing a complete fast, which is no liquid, no water, or food, my recommendation is that you do drink plenty of water. That will help you to stay hydrated while you're fasting. But also, let's remember that fasting without prayer, like I said before, is just foodlessness. Fasting without prayer is just Facebooklessness. <laughs> you know, it's not what we're giving up that's. Um, as powerful as what we're doing during that time. And prayer and fasting go together. So I have just a couple um, examples for you of what you can do to remind yourself to pray. The first one is to just set a timer on your phone for 59 minutes. And then when it goes off, you pray. Then you press start again. And when it goes off again, you pray. Another idea would be to make a phone date with a prayer partner. And during your lunch hour, you, you call each other and you pray over the phone together. When we are doing the corporate fast, we're going to have the church here open. We invite you to come here on your way to work or at any break you get, especially if you live in this area. Come here and, and be in the sanctuary and pray. <clears throat> and whether you're choosing to give up food or not, at meal times. I encourage you to feast on God's word. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8:3, people do not live by bread alone, rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Also, Psalm 119, verses one, verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste? They are sweeter than honey. God's word is meant to be consumed. Just like we eat food for our physical strength and sustenance, we eat, chew, read God's word for our spiritual sustenance. And when we're trying to fill ourselves with more of God, a great way to do that is to get his word inside our hearts and in our spirits. Another thing that we can do is expect some spiritual and or physical opposition Some physical symptoms of fasting are things like headache, fatigue, weakness, irritability, also known as being hangry. That's that's a real thing. Don't be alarmed when that happens and don't say, oh, that just means I got to eat. No, we're going to press through, right? We're going to press through. Also, we shouldn't be surprised if we experience spiritual attacks, maybe some temptation that causes you to be frustrated or want to give up. Prayer and fasting are a very powerful thing because we're making a deliberate effort to bring God's kingdom and power to earth. We're saying we want your kingdom God to invade my kingdom, to invade the the kingdom here in the in the earth. And of course there's going to be some spiritual op- opposition because there's another kingdom the kingdom of the devil that doesn't want the kingdom of god coming more into this earth and so you shouldn't be surprised if you face some spiritual opposition this happened to me even this week as i was preparing this message and i noticed wait a second here i'm facing some uh spiritual opposition let me encourage you two things that you can do Well, three things you can do during that time. The first one is, in Ephesians 6, it tells us to put on the armor of God, especially when we come up against um, opposition, spiritual opposition. And that's why it's really great to know what the pieces of the armor of God are, because when this was happening, I was not in a place where I could pull up my phone or get my Bible to find out what the... um, the pieces of the spiritual armor are, but thankfully I would learned them. And so in my, in my head and to God, I was praying, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, put up the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, and the sword of the spirit. And I just took some time to, to arm myself against spiritual attack. Also in Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of that part about the spiritual armor, it talks about praying in the spirit. And if you have a prayer language or speak in tongues, that's a great opportunity for you to be praying and to get your spirit stronger um, and allow yourself to be resistant against that attack and then the third thing that we do is we just stand firm (laughs) we just say you know what this is what i'm doing an enemy you can try to come against me but i'm standing firm in what i know god has called me to do so you might as well (laughs) go mess with someone else (laughs) so that that is something that we should not be surprised about when we when we have spiritual or physical opposition the final thing that i want to say just in closing about how we fast The most important thing is that we do it with the right heart. And I'd like to share with you Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. And how many know that fasting isn't really about food, it's about our heart. We don't fast for show. We don't fast to show others how spiritual we are. We don't walk around all bent over, with hunger pangs, with, and someone says, what's wrong, Cain? says, oh, don't worry about me. I'm just fasting for Jesus. That's not the point here in any way, shape, or form. It's a, a secret thing between us and the Lord. We empty, empty ourselves to be filled with him. We say we want less of us, Lord, and more of you in our lives. But Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 6 that there's an added benefit of fasting, and that is because of God's grace and kindness It says that he will reward you. Now, we don't know what that reward is or how he does it. That's up to Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, our part is the fasting. His part is the reward. And that's just an added benefit of us saying, Lord, I I want more of you. And maybe that is the reward. That probably is a big part of it. We do get more of him. We're saying we want more of him. The reward is, yes, we will get more of him. So in order to make these 40 days of prayer um, meaningful, as a staff, we've tried to incorporate different things that we could do to make this a really meaningful spiritual experience. And one of the things that we've done is, tonight we're gonna have a time of prayer and worship to go along with our 40 days of prayer. But then we also thought it would be wonderful to have an opportunity for us to fast together so we are having a corporate fast. And again, just because I'm saying we're doing this, please don't just say, well, someone's telling me I have to do this, so I'm not gonna do it. Please just check your heart with the Lord and what he would have you to do if he wants you to be a part of this or not. But what we're gonna do is from um, Monday night at dinner time through Tuesday night before dinnertime, so about 24 hours there, maybe um, five to five or whatever, We are calling a corporate time of fasting, and we're saying that we as a staff, we're going to be fasting, and we invite you to join us. If you would like to fast, or maybe you wouldn't like to, but maybe your sense in the Lord is calling you to, and let me tell you how you would know, if there's something going on in your heart right now that is just maybe a little uncomfortable or like is resonating with what God's word is speaking then that's probably a good sign for you that God is calling you to be a part of this fast. And so seek him, ask him what he would have you to do, and then feel free to join us. The sanctuary is gonna be open here between 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. We'd love to have you come in and pray, grab a friend or a a prayer partner or whatever if you're in this area and, and come and join us for a fast. That's what God is calling us to do and it's really awesome. This could be a really powerful week for us. We're starting our week here in church and then those of us who come back, we have another opportunity tonight for a time of of worship and prayer. And then right after that, we have an opportunity for fasting and prayer. That's a really really powerful powerful opportunities all in one week. And what, what would happen if we said yes to Jesus in these areas, if we let more of God's spirit in and had less of our flesh? I'll tell you what will happen. There'll be some breakthroughs in our own personal life and our relationship with Jesus, but in also in our marriages, in our families, in our community, our church, our nation, and to the ends of the earth, depending on whatever the Lord is calling us to. So would you please bow your head as we pray?